Do you love event and rodeo production? Well, then this episode is for you. Today, we're going to talk with Callie Macer, and she works for the Colorado State Fair and Rodeo. Callie is part of the class of 2024 of Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30, and she's part of our series talking to those amazing women. In this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbelt. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Saddle. We are doing our Cowgirl 30 Under 30 series, and I have another one of those amazing women who are honored and recognized with this award for this year. And today we have Callie Macer with us, and she is a fellow Colorado girl. So I'm so glad to have you on the show. Hey, Callie. Hey, Katie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. And we can't wait to get to know you. We are rodeo girls at heart. We are Colorado girls at heart. So I, let's just jump right in. Tell us what you do and tell us about your career. Okay. Um, currently, I'm the sponsorship manager at the Colorado State Fair. I um, have been with the fair for about a year and a half. My first year, I was in the sales and rentals manager position where I booked our facilities for private events, as well as trade shows, um, ticketed events in our event center, concerts, basketball games, you know, you name it, as well as our horse show complex for 4-H shows um, and our arena for different larger arena shows. And back in August, I moved into the sponsorship manager role. Here I handle all of our sponsorships and partnerships, um, working with the community to, you know, involve them in the fair and just work with all of those agreements. In this role, I also work with our rodeo committee, which has been super awesome. Um, Kirsten Bold and Bold Rodeo do the Colorado State Fair Rodeo, and it's been incredible working with that committee and especially Kirsten. What a good crew. Oh my gosh. And being part of the Colorado State Fair means that you are part of literally like Colorado history and Colorado tradition. So Personally, I'm like fangirling, right? Like, I think it's so cool that you get to be like, so in the DNA of such a historic piece of what it means to be in Colorado. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, my first fair was our 150th fair. And it's it's so cool to be a part of Colorado history in that aspect. We're a division of the Colorado Department of Agriculture. So it's a it's a state job. And it's, it's so cool. Um, I grew up showing livestock in 4-H and competing in the horse program and showed at the state fair level. So it's kind of everything is went full circle for me. I uh, competed there and, you know, several years later down the road, I'm, I'm there working. Totally. Oh my gosh. Do you ever just see like those four H'ers coming in the arena and they're like on their big horse and they're like so excited because they're at the state fair and you just think back and remember, oh my gosh, that was me. And now look yes. at me, look where I am now. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's one of the best parts. I think that's one of the cooler things about working for the state fair is, you know, at its core and one of its missions is to highlight, you know, youth in ag. And it's amazing seeing the families come out with their kids and, you know, whether it's an eight-year-old that's showing for the first time. Um, our grand champion, Sierra, this last year was owned by a really young gal. And that was super awesome to see. Or, you know, an 18-year-old who has been in the 4-H program and showing for the last 10 years. It's, it's so cool. And I grew up showing with my siblings and my cousins and my whole family. It was a huge deal for our family. So it's awesome seeing that every day at work. 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. You're li- you're living it every single day and you've seen it every all day. the way through. <laughs> Do you have, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have like a most favorite memory or like a most favorite project that you've been part of as part of the Colorado State Fair? It just so much goes into it. I, before the State Fair, I worked with the professional bull riders and we did a show every single weekend. And so from a production standpoint, Every single year when the fair gets rolling, we start on a Friday and, um, you know, we've been working all year to put this production on when the rodeo kicks off. It's just such a moment of relief and it's just such an overwhelming feeling of, oh my gosh, we did it. It's, it's rolling. We're going. And I I think that's my favorite every year. You know, our, our stands are sold out. People are running all over the grounds and all of that hard work that myself and the whole team at the Colorado State Fair have done kind of comes to fruition. And it's, it's really something awesome to take in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Let's, can we like nerd out for a minute about rodeo production? Um, I used to work for the Greeley Stampede and like my most favorite thing was getting in the production meetings where like everybody is just ready and it's like go time and you've got all of the best of the best in the room. Like, I don't know that a lot of people get to see that behind the scenes. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. And Kirsten Bold is just one of my idols. And every time she like comes into the room, I'm just like, oh my gosh, here she is. <laughs> and um, to see her in action and to see our committee who, I mean, there's folks on the team who've been there for 15 or more years. They're so good at what they do. It's truly amazing. Um, this last year, we had a huge rainstorm, just crazy for Colorado. And, you know, between them and the stock contractors and all of our rodeo personnel, we were able to do our show. Um, you know, pure rodeo, we didn't do any intermission acts, but it was amazing seeing our team come together and be able to put that on. Um, you know, for the rodeo fans who came out to watch, for the partners who, you know, had stakes in that, as well as, you know, the athletes who came out to rodeo and they were able to get out there and still compete. It was really awesome. With rodeo production, I loved looking at the minutes and seeing minute by minute what should be happening. And I I nerd out like, okay, cool. It's (laughs) 6.06 is the second bull bucking. Like, you know, like (laughs) it's one of my favorite things. I did it with PBR too. Like, I think it's, it's so intricate to check out how everything's going. And, you know, just as a spectator, you don't think that everything minute by minute is planned out and it really is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, like down to the minute and those curveballs, be it the weather, be it, you know, a rowdy horse that won't get out of the arena, be it whatever it is, right. It all influences kind of the flow of the rest of the performance. And like, as you know, someone who's, you know, maybe part of the like planning and production and I'm just sitting there going, all right, how are they going to handle this? Right. Like, all right, boys in the arena, like let's, let's make this happen. It is so fun to just watch the wheels turn and see what they do. Yeah, I um, was working with one of our partners to coordinate the t-shirt toss and just, you know, it it seems like something that's such a small element, but you know, when you're working with the cowboy channel, who's also airing it, um, it's not that intricate. You got to be there. You got to be ready. You've got things that need to get moving. We've got a concert coming up right after the rodeo. I'm like, guys, you need to meet me at the gate on the East end. And I need you to be there at 632, like specific (laughs) time. And it, it sounds silly, but you know, it, it's a lot that goes into that production and it's, it's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's so specific. Absolutely. Well, and there's so many people counting on you. Right. And, you know, not only from the production side, like you mentioned, like Cowboy Channel, they've got their entire production that's hanging on it, but also all the contestants, right? Like they want to make sure that whatever you're doing to satisfy your sponsorship needs and your production needs doesn't get in the way of what they're doing for their livelihood. And there's like a certain right. amount of pressure, you know, and like responsibility yeah. to kind of meet them there. Yeah, no, it is, especially, you know, at that level, 
um, when we're talking PRCA and other higher rodeos, you know, these guys and gals, this is their livelihood, like you said. So they've got somewhere to be. Yeah. So, you know, right after they're, <laughs> you know, they compete most of the time they're, they're heading out, they've got the next show to get to. And, you know, it's, it affects them. It affects our fans also like folks pay for their tickets to come out and see a good show. So, you know, it's our responsibility to, you know, everybody in that arena from personnel to the fans, to the competition, you know, the competitors that, you know, we, we come out and we do a good job. Absolutely. Well, talk to me a little bit about like the sponsorship cycle. So now that you're the sponsorship manager, um, when do you start those contracts? Do you have like year over year contracts? Like, I think there's a lot more that goes into that side of the business too, that people don't get to see behind the curtain very often. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the coolest things about sponsorship is that it's really a very like detailed thing. It's not just an estimated, like, you know what, we're going to charge X amount for this banner. There's so many equations that go into how many people are walking by this and the messaging that goes through to be able to come up with a really good sponsorship package and make sure that whatever messaging our partners want to put out into our audience is getting relayed the most appropriate way. Um, at the Colorado State Fair, we do a couple of year over year contracts. Um, usually when that comes down to naming rights for buildings or different areas, we try to do multi-year just so that our messaging is never confusing for the attendees that come out. But then we also do the year over year ones to make sure that whatever messaging our sponsors are trying to relay or however they want to work with us. Um, if that changes year over year, we have the year over year partnership that we're able to adjust to that. There's so much, um, politics is maybe not the right word, but sort of politics, right. Um, involves in sponsorships too, right. Where it's like category exclusivity and, you know, local versus national and all of those like fine lines to watch. So it really takes like a professional to navigate those waters, but also with an eye to your community. And I know you mentioned that sort of in your opening about like partnering with the community. And I can only imagine at, you know, the state fair level and working with 4-H and extension, how important that community piece really truly is. Yeah. And I mean, this last year we hit over 500,000 attendees for our state fair, which was a huge milestone for us, especially post pandemic. Um, those were great numbers for us to have. You look at, you know, if you hang a banner for a local company, that's 500,000 people who potentially saw that banner. Yeah. That's a great return on investment for a sponsor. And so it's an awesome thing to be a part of as well as, you know, at its core, it's highlighting the state of Colorado's agriculture, which is huge, and also just state 4-H and state FFA and the youth that participate. And I, I think that's awesome. And it, it warms my heart to see that local companies want to support that. Oh, I love it. Well, you can definitely tell that you are passionate. You are definitely in the right role and walking in your purpose. Um, I can tell that, you, you know, just from here. <laughs> Thank you. I was super excited to get back into sponsorship. It wasn't something that I figured I would enjoy so much when I was beginning my career with Cinch Jeans and Shirts. That was my first job out of college. And at the time I was applying, there's two open positions, one for the sponsorship manager and then the other one for the social media manager. And I was kind of going back and forth between the two, but I really felt like I would take the social media manager position. I got into cinch and they said let's let's kind of see where your interests fall after a few weeks and really just found that I have a huge passion for that and incorporating partners and you know social media work is great too and I really enjoy doing that but really just found that I do have a huge passion for it so 
um, something I worked with a little bit with the PBR as well and super happy to be back in it at the fair. Oh, it's so full circle. I love it. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about um, you, like you professionally, your journey, like how you got here. You had so many amazing stepping stones from PBR and cinch now to where you are. Um, I, I love this question that you sort of prompted me with. I would love to know what is the most important lesson that you've learned in your career so far? I know there's more to come, but so far, what's that most important piece? So far, I mean, I think it's really important, especially as a woman who is a little earlier in her career, I, I think that sitting at the table and inserting yourself into just whatever big opportunity is coming up or, you know, different projects that you might be interested in, or even, you know, something that you might not be familiar with, but you'd like to, is just to not be afraid to say, hey, like, I'd, I'd like to know more about that. Hey, I, I might not know about this project, but can I observe you? Can I, can I learn what you're doing? Because that's how you form the connections that advance you in your career. Um, I read a really awesome book by Sheryl Sandberg in the last year, and it's called Lean In. Um, 10 out of 10 recommend it, especially for women in their careers. It's it's just about being empowered to be able to sit down and show up it, in yourself and believe in yourself and be confident and have the ability to know that somebody hired you for the job that you're in because they believed in you. So you should believe in yourself, too. Ooh, oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's like a piece like maybe as women that we overlook way too often, right? Is someone yeah. maybe took a chance on you, but they took a chance on you because they saw something in you. And oh, it's so easy for us to forget that or not think about it. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I I was super fortunate. Um, and I talked about this a lot in my Cowgirl 30 under 30 application. I um was very fortunate from the get-go to just to be surrounded by really great female leaders. While I was at Cinch, my supervisor and then the chief marketing officer, Jessica Whaler, who I, is still at Cinch, were the women that I spent most of my time with. So automatically, I had great female role models, and they were around my age, too. So it was really empowering to see, like, okay, wow, like, we're all within seven or eight years of each other. This is so cool. And then we would go to our, you know, larger marketing department and then larger cinch meetings. And the whole conference room was full of women. You know, the CFO, CMO are all women. And that was something super cool to see so early in my career. But I remember I was, you know, we were going around the table, giving our department and, you know, our updates. And I've always been in front of people. I've always been public speaking before I got the job offer with cinch. I was going to be a uh, TA at UNC for, public speaking. And so they're going, we're going around the table and I'm thinking like, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this. And they got to me and I shut down. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was just stumped in my head. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these women don't care what I'm working on. Like, what could I say? Like, I don't want to be bothersome. I don't want to take up any time. And I, I was really embarrassed, but also I just was like, I, I don't know what to say that would matter here. Later on, I talked to Jessica about it and I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I really messed up the, the meeting. And she's like, no, like, don't worry about it. And, you know, she shared with me that, you know, it happens to everybody and she's seen it a lot, but at the end of the day, you know, people who hire you and put you in those positions, believe in you and think that, you know, you're an important part of the team and everybody has a voice to be heard. 
Oh my gosh, I love that. And I think we can all relate to that moment that you had because we get in those meetings, like we're so excited in our early careers, like coming out of college and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait until the day. I'm so important. And I get invited to these meetings and I get a seat at the table. And then sometimes when you do get that seat at the table, we clam up and we're like, oh my gosh, like I, <laughs> what do I say? What do I contribute? What could I possibly bring to this room of really intelligent I people? Never, <laughs> I never run out of things to say. And I was stumped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's such a, like, yeah, it's such a shaky feeling, but you're definitely not alone. That's so relatable. And just, I love that advice of just owning your space and like believing in why you're there and just lean in. I love the name of that book. I'm going to have to go check that out because that is, the, I'm going to like write that on my wall. Just lean in, own just it. Lean in, make sure that you know, exactly own it, listen, learn, um, involve yourself, make the connections and the networks that you need to. That's, I mean, that's a huge thing. It's, it's talked about a lot in, I think, the rodeo and Western industry. It is a super small world, too. So meeting people and the different connections. I, I know that in my career, I've seen it every other day. I have a partner that I've worked with at Cinch that I see at PBR that now I'm trying to connect with at the fair. So lean in, meet everybody, network. Absolutely. It is such a small world. And one of my favorite things about this world of ours, this equine and Western world, is that there are a lot of women increasingly at the table in leadership positions. And they're a breed of their own. Like, I think we're like just on the edge of this amazing, you know, new world for us paved, you know, from the women who have come before us and really opened those doors and made it a road for us to take and given us the opportunity to have seats at the table. And I don't see us, you know, taking advantage of that, or I don't, what's the right word, right? Like, I think, I think we're doing right by it. I think we're all thankful for the women have come before us and we're here to support each other and believe in each other, which feels, I don't even know how to explain it or describe it. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's such a cool time to be a part of the Western industry as well. It, it just seems to me like from when I started really paying attention to Western sports in the media and when I was working in it and, you know, a little bit not just my interest, but seeing it like how to appeal to everybody else. I, I think in the last couple of years, it's really grown and it's starting to blow up. I'm um, even over the weekend or last weekend, Bella Hadid competing in the cutting event. Like, yeah, it's so cool seeing Western sports just blowing up on such a level. And it's awesome being a woman working in the field. Heck yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so, I'm happy for all of us. And I'm like, I just like, it's sort of those pinch me moments. Like I'm so thankful to be part of it and to be able to meet people like you. And I cannot wait to get together in person and meet you in March. Although we're not that far apart in Colorado. So hopefully we can say, Hey, before then and after then too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, love I, that. I also worked um, for Greeley Stampede at a time. I worked for Island Grove up there. So I, I know the facility well. I had an internship with the 4-H extension office. And that was kind of what kickstarted my career in the more Western ag area. So I'm very familiar with your stomping grounds. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. We have such a kindred story. Like, I will always hold such a soft place in my heart for Island Grove Park and for the Greeley Stampede and the relationships that I built there. And honestly, the skills that it gave me, I was their promotions coordinator, like just like fresh out of college. And like your your story about the T-shirt toss, like <laughs> I have like exactly like visions, very vivid memories, right, of doing very similar things at the Stampede. And it, there's just something wonderful about those rodeos that that grew you either as like your high school, you know, years competing in like high school rodeo or college rodeo or those like early jobs and how special it is to be part of something so big, so much bigger than yourself. Yeah, 
but the Stampede's great. It's a super fun summer rodeo. Loved being a part of it. Loved that it was kind of just one of the first venues that I was working at. And it was awesome to, to see that come to fruition and be a part of that a little bit. And then to go back and work with Cinch with the Stampede a little bit a few years later. Well, it's changed a lot over there. I don't know when the last time you were over at Island Grove, but uh, they're they're making some upgrades and improvements. And it's really fun to just watch the park evolve as the community evolves too. I love that. That's something with our fairgrounds where we're under some different construction projects and we're really trying to vamp up our fairgrounds. So it's a, it's a super cool time to work for the Colorado State Fair. And, you know, for anybody listening who's in the Colorado area, come out, check out our grounds because every year we're doing some different construction and remodels and vamping up the spaces. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun to watch it evolve. I was just, um, I went to Colorado state and I was just up at the university and there, I mean, the construction up there is just insane, but it's so fun to watch these things where you have like memories of, you know, your agricultural community coming together and the spaces in which you did that. And as they evolve over time, like, you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember it like that. Check this out. Let's go see it. You know, it gives you a reason to come back again and again. Yes. I uh, was at the national Western stock show a few weeks ago and Another place that I had an internship for and very special place in my heart, super great event that, you know, I will always love and, you know, walking around with the new barns that they've built in as well as the CSU Spur campus. It's amazing all the advancement that they've been doing and it's something really cool to see. And I think it's a great sign for agriculture in as a whole, just watching all of this technology come together and these modern architectural designs and the way that they're inviting the communities into these spaces to be part of these events. It's huge, right? That's so important. And the way we can connect with the entire community, right, who may have never considered going to the Colorado State Fair or going to the National Western Stock Show. Hey, you know, what's this new construction project about? Like, hey, that looks kind of cool and inviting. Like, what's going on? Like, let's go check it out. I love that that's happening in so many places across the nation. Absolutely. Like really diving into emerging agriculture and seeing that ag isn't necessarily as traditional as it used to be, where it's, a tractor and a cornfield and hay and everything like that. Like we're emerging into letting people know that ag is everything. Ag is where we get our food. It's horse show, livestock, it's national beekeeping association. And I I say that because I I worked with them not too long ago for an event, but it's super cool. You know, downtown Denver, we're, we're seeing the spur campus pop up and showcase ag on that kind of a level and people can go in and check out the horse training facility and the horse rehab program. I don't know if you've seen the really cool like surgery rooms that they're doing so people can watch different surgeries and learn more there and you know hopefully pull people in over the course of my career. I think that's definitely been something that I found I have a huge passion for is showing people who don't have a background in western lifestyle or ag more about our lifestyle I, uh, you know, I didn't realize how privileged I was to grow up within that until I started working for the PBR and we'd go do shows in New York and Chicago and people would come up to me and they would tell me, this is the first time I've seen a cow, a cow, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's so cool watching, you know, more mainstream media and folks from all over showing some interest in our industry. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm glad you brought up PBR again. Cause I'd love to dive into that a little bit. sounds like you did a heck of a lot of traveling and you want to talk about an organization that's bridging the gap, right. And like, you know, introducing more people to our sport and to our way of life and it's fun and it's edgy and it's, you know, dangerous and all the things that, you know, that's kind of sexy in modern media, but talk to me about what you got to do there. What a fun place to work. It was amazing. I worked there for two years. Yes, I traveled often and saw so many parts of the country, which was amazing. I was there through the pandemic, and I I think that that's something about PBR that is always going to be so amazing, is that the team really came together to try to figure out ways to persevere and to not have to shut down all of our events. Um, you know, it was really important to all of our leadership team that our Cowboys who, you know, show us so much dedication throughout the year and you know, they could ride for us, they could ride for PRCA, they could go anywhere. And we didn't want them to wind out up without a job, as well as all of the employees and the full-time staff too. So our our leadership team was really integral in coming together and figuring out a plan on how to still keep our Cowboys and our team to work. And that's something that I always am going to have a lot of admiration for. I'm glad that you uh, mentioned that, you know, it's a sport that people often don't consider rodeo events a sport. And you know, these, these guys are athletes, just like anybody else, you know, basketball, football, they're out there training, they're out there practicing, traveling the country to get from one event to the next. It's an intense sport too. I mean, it is physically and mentally demanding. Um, and it just the production value. I mean, we were talking about production, you know, earlier on, like, I'm very familiar on like the formal rodeo side, but on the PBR side, right? Like we're talking fireworks and pyrotechnics and right. Like you've got many moving pieces that all contribute to a, a ticketed show that's worthy of like your entertainment dollar. Like there's a, there's a whole new level to that when you're vying for that entertainment dollar. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that, you know, they're able to merge that gap between traditional sports and, you know, rodeo. And I think that that's pulling more fans in and getting people excited about it. It's, you know, you're going to the Staples Center, you're going to Madison Square Gardens to see bull riding events. And I, I think that's huge. And the team there is super awesome. They've got folks from, you know, more of a traditional rodeo background, as well as people from a live sports and entertainment background. So they're all able to collaborate and and really put on a great show, which is super cool. Oh, absolutely. I bet it's a cool melting pot to be part of and watch all that. Oh my gosh, how cool. Well, I would be remiss if we don't bring it back a little bit to horses. Um, Our audience is horse crazy. And I know that a lot of us um, cowgirl 30 under 30s also have strong backgrounds in horses. And I know that the Colorado State Fair has transformed really into a fantastic equestrian venue. Um, So, but I would just love to open the floor to you to talk about how horses have sort of influenced your journey um, and, you know, your interaction with them today um, or how they sort of made you who you are along the road. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up competing in local shows, anywhere from horsemanship to equestrian dressage, which was really cool. Um, I'm glad that I got to experience that and do a little bit of jumping, a little bit of English show, um, which was fun. My uh, my passions were always more into the rodeo and gymkhana side of things. My two siblings are currently more hands-on in the traditional sense in the Western and rodeo lifestyle and equine in general. My brother is a ranch manager and my sister trains reined cow horses. So they're uh, very hands-on every single day, but we all grew up showing together. And it was, like I said earlier, such a family thing for us that those memories are super special to me. Now I, I don't 
ride or get around horses as much as I would like to. Hopefully, uh, hopefully one day you said it best um, in your interview with uh, Patty that horses are always something that you can go back to. And uh, not really in the season right now where I'm able to uh, go out and ride every day, but hopefully we'll get back to that. Oh my gosh, you can always go back to horses at any point in your life. And I love that your siblings are still super involved in it as well. I also think there's something to like what you were talking about in that book, Lean In, and your experience, you know, when you were, man, those people believed in me and I need to believe in myself. Horses for me, like help me with that. Right. And like, I lean into that feeling when I'm riding and I just think they're believing in me. They're trusting in me. There's so much that we learn from them that apply in so many areas of our lives professionally, you know, that we didn't even realize when we were growing up showing horses and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can get a big old animal who weighs way more than you with a mind of its own to trust you and fully believe in you, anybody you can get anybody to believe in you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know why they trust us and, you know, let us do what we do, but I am so very, very thankful. <laughs> Our oh, lives absolutely. would be so incomplete without it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But now hopefully I'll, um, I'll get to a space where I'm able to uh, be more involved myself. And hopefully one day I could see myself trying to show a little bit. Um, since my sister is into the rain cow horses, that's something that I haven't done before and would like to dabble into a little bit, but you know, one of these days. Well, and that background that you had in dressage and on the English side, it makes you a dang good rider. So using those skills that, you know, are ingrained in you from that period of time, no matter how long ago it was, it'll serve you well, no matter what event you want to try in the future. I love that. It does. Yeah. And it was so funny. I, um, the year that I started it, there was no, but no one in my age division competing and, uh, the County still offered premium. So you'd get cash for a first place. And I'm like, Oh, well, if I'm here anyway, <laughs> I, right? I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and I, I really found a heart for it and I got short little legs and I, I got to tell you, I, I'd almost rather sit an English saddle than a Western saddle. I feel much more comfortable, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's definitely different, but it, it's super cool to have that background in both aspects. So fun. Oh my gosh. I really need to go and just like buckle down and, and take me some English lessons <laughs> and get, you know, cool. just get all those skills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This has been so much fun, Callie. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your career and what you do and sharing a little bit of that journey with us. I cannot wait to meet you and spend some time together in Fort Worth here coming up in March as part of Cowgirl 30 Under 30. I can only imagine all of the shenanigans we're going to get into and all of the storytelling that we'll have as a group there too. It'll be so fun. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate you um, taking the time to visit with me as well as the other 30 under 30 honorees. And also, hey, congratulations. Oh, thanks so much. I'm just tickled. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's one of those pinch me moments. It's such an amazing group of women and we're going to have some fun. I think we're going to make some good memories for sure. We are. Absolutely. Thanks for riding along in this episode with Callie Maser of the Colorado State Fair. Come back, tune in for more episodes with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30.